0: Welcome to Debbie IDP Grind episode 29. I am Daryl Winstead, your host, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. We have Colby Campbell, linebacker
1: from the Duke Blue Devils. What's going on, Colby? What's up? You know, enjoying the day, enjoying everything I can, man. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, um, like I
0: tell everyone, I. You know, when y'all do these interviews, I, I work around your own schedule. So, usually we have a set day, but I'm like, you know, with football and everything else y'all got going on school and everything, we work around your schedule. So, there's been a lot of people excited to see who the guest is going to be this week.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to be on, man. I'm excited to be on.
0: Awesome. So, before we get into the interview, I'll tell them a little bit about you. Um, by the way, you can follow Colby at Colby underscore C4. That's his Twitter handle. Uh, do
1: you have an Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, it's it's actually the same on Instagram as well.
0: Okay, so it's at Colby underscore C4. You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow him on Instagram. Uh, as I mentioned, he is the linebacker for the Duke Blue Devils, number 45. Um, he comes from Aiken, South Carolina, where he played for Aiken, uh, South Aiken High School. Uh, senior season, uh, named the, th- sorry, I got lost there, named yeah. the 4A defensive player of the year by high school sports, uh, named all state, all region, all, and CSRA player of the year, highly decorated. Um, then you go to Presbyterian, which is where I picked you up at. That's because uh, I watch a lot of Division 2 and Division 3, so I knew all about you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a Buchanan, uh, Buck Buchanan award, runner up, which it goes to the best defensive player in Division II. Um, just uh, I have watched many of your games, and I caught some of these, but man, uh, in 40 games for them, 29 starts, 355 tackles, 180 solos, 32 TFLs, 13 sacks, 7 QB hits, 4 forced fumbles, 2 fumble recoveries, 1 interception, 8 PVUs. You did a little bit of Everything for them. Um, it's crazy, you know, that you set the single season D1 record along with the big south record for tackles in the season with 150, yes, uh, which is crazy. You set the single, the school single game record with 20 stops against Kennesaw State. I did catch that game, you were all over the place
1: in that game. I actually actually broke that again with, with 25.
0: Yes, that's what I was fixing to mention. You you broke your own record with 25 uh, in a win over Davidson. So, man, you are a just an absolute tackling machine. Um, unanimous selection to the uh, Pioneer Football League first team all conference, and you your career ranks for Presbyterian is first in TFLs 32, second in tackles 355. Third and solos 180, second and assist 175, and tied for first and sacks with 13. Um, as I mentioned, you do a little bit of everything all over the field. Um, it's just amazing to watch you play, man. You you play with such fire and such passion. And I, I love watching players play like
1: that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. This is, you know, it's it's one of those things that you know growing up. Um
0: so what Go
1: ahead uh, I was just gonna say you know it's it's just one of those things that ever since I've been growing up you know it's it's been the way I've tried to play my game you know I've tried to wear my heart on my sleeve and I'll play and whatnot and, and I think it's it's best uh, exemplified the person that I am through just the way that I actually play the game.
0: Yeah and it's contagious man yeah, I can see the way you play your your teammates they get fired up behind you man when you get on a roll they get on a roll with you so yes sir. Um, so we'll get into it here. Um, we'll start right at the beginning. Who introduced you to the game of football?
1: Yeah, so, uh, it's actually a, it's a, it's a crazy story. I was, uh, I want to say I was in third grade and I played, uh, baseball, soccer, and basketball year round, not really, bad. Uh, yeah, a little, I played one year, a uh, regular pitch baseball. So whenever that starts is when I started football, um, but, you know, I played I played church league basketball, and I was one of those kids that was – I was a little bit bigger than everybody, so I was a little bit more athletic as it is. And I was running around, like, diving for balls and, you know, doing crazy stuff that kids my age weren't doing. And then in soccer, I was doing a lot of stuff that, you know, every kid my age wasn't really doing. And it ended up being my – my church league basketball coach was one of my best friends at the time. He was also – the coach for the Aiken Tigers, the red team I ended up playing for. And he goes up to my parents after one of the games. And he's like, well, has Kobe ever talked about playing football? And we were like, no. And then my parents asked me. And then, I mean, I love playing sports and stuff. And I'd always, like, liked football. So I said, why not? And uh, I actually ended up playing right guard and center my first year. I actually played right guard, <laughs> center, and corner my first season. So I, oh, wow. I went I way too much to run the ball in our league. So I had to play on the O-line, but I could play like a corner safety position. And uh, I, I remember my my first memory of football. That Well, not first, but the one I can remember. I actually remember my first year playing. I was at corner, and we were playing the championship game against the North Aiken Bears. And I missed a tackle and lost <laughs> uh, my first ever rec league championship. And oh, I remember, wow. Yeah, you know, I remember that play to this day. So it's – I guess you could say it's one of the one of the reasons I, I worked so hard and you know try to make every tackle because the first important tackle I ever you know had the opportunity to make I missed it.
0: Wow, wow, cool stories. Uh, when my boys played, they we had the same rules. If you was a certain weight, you couldn't run the ball, mm-hmm. you know, on offense or whatever, but you could play defense if you got the interception or fumble or something like that, you can yeah. pick it up and run with it. And I was like, well, you know, what's the difference? But exactly. so they always love to play defense because, you know, they could, they could pick it up and run with it and all that good yeah. stuff. So that's, that's cool to hear, man. I love those stories from the beginning like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so why did you choose Presbyterian to further your football career?
1: Yeah, so uh – uh when I came out of high school, I was uh I was pretty under recruited. Um, I was a smaller guy. I was a little bit shorter than I am now, and I was about 205. I'm about 235 now, so I put on a little bit of weight since then. <laughs> but um, you know, I was I was I was a good football player, but I didn't I didn't ever meet the frame and the the intangibles that people really wanted, and it wasn't the intangibles that you could control. It's the ones that you can't. Um, yeah. I actually ended up my senior year. I got a Go from South Carolina at a camp, and um, you know the D.C. Tavars Robinson straight up told me to my face. He said, "If I uh, if I offered you, I'd be the laughing stock of the SEC." And he was like, "The best I can do is offer you a walk on." And you know, I I kind of considered it, and I reached out to them a year later, like towards signing day, and really never heard anything back from them. And Presbyterian was the my B one uh, AA offer, so. And, you know, It was my dream to play Division One football, and I, I knew I could go somewhere. I was getting my education for free, so that was the biggest thing. I mean, I had offers like Newberry and stuff, but right. I, I was dead set on Division One. I knew the player that I was, not to be arrogant, but I knew the reasons that I wasn't getting the offers and the look that other kids getting it was just because of my size, not because of my ability. Right. So I decided to go to PC, and I guess I could say it worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think it worked out really well for you. Um, again, watching you play, I don't know that you would have been the life stock of the SEC. I, I tend to think you would have held your own pretty well right there. Oh, so. I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> um, so. you, Like I said, you played four years at Presbyterian um, with the no eligibility rule from last year. What made you decide to come back for another year, and why did you choose Duke uh, Mm -hmm. to transfer as that year?
1: So I was – before um, COVID, like, became full-fledged and they started talking about us losing eligibility, um, I actually came up with, like, a master plan kind of with my head coach that was kind of behind the scenes. Um, I knew I needed another year to – just show who I really was. And I needed to play somewhere bigger. Um, you know, no knock on Presbyterian, no knock on the big South and the pioneer league, but uh, I needed somewhere where I could prove myself. I needed bigger competition. I needed more exposure because at a school like CC, you know, the only place, the only th- the exposure I'm really getting is like guys like you. And then a few other like local outlets. And other than Perhaps. that, it's, it's me reaching out and me doing what I can, my due diligence to put my name out there. So, um, you know, I decided I decided before the season that if we were going to play, like, seven games, I was going to play four, take my red shirt, and then play somewhere else. Um, but, obviously, COVID happened, and right before our season in the spring, I said we have another year. So, I stuck it out of Presbyterian and said, you know, I've been here, and I've put all my heart and soul into it, and I'm going to go ahead and get my degree from here and whatnot and then see what comes on the bigger things. And then I was act- I was actually about to go to Montana – and then um, Duke offered me, and you know, it's it's no knock on what Montana was because I mean I think they'll compete for the FBS, I mean FCS national championship next year. They're a hell of a program, um, top of the line, you know, stadium environment and all. But uh, you know, it's it's hard when you think about your future and stuff, and I I'm pin toes down to I'm thinking football is going to work out for me in some way or form. But if something happens is out of my control, um, a degree from Duke is going to have me set for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I didn't really care too much about school at PC. I mean, I cared. I was good at it. I did what I needed to do to graduate. But I kind of took the mindset of it's either football or bus. And now, you know, as I've matured through the years, my later years at PC, I've understood that, you know, it's good to have that aspiration, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right, um, And then, you know, Duke, it, it gave me the opportunity to do what I've always wanted to do and always knew I could do, you know, play power five football. And then on top of that, I mean, get one of the best educations in the country. So, I mean, the, the education, I mean, yeah, it was a it was a <laughs> bonus for what my dreams and aspirations were, I guess. But, um, you know, looking back at it now, I've been here for a month and uh, I don't regret any se- any second of it.
0: Awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, with the, you know, we kind of, you mentioned you had a plan there. Uh, you kind of see, uh, listening to you talk, you, you wanted to come to a Division One school where you could get more exposure, get more eyes on your game. It's kind of what Jabril Cox did, you know. He, yeah. he left a national power, pal- and that, at the time, I thought that was crazy, They're mm-hmm. winning national championship after national championship up there at North Dakota State. And I've seen plenty of his games. You know, absolute stud, and he wanted he felt like he needed to go to LSU to get that bigger exposure, the more right. eyes, and I think it worked out for him. So yeah, and that's, I, that's
1: actually one of the people I looked at. I mean, I looked at what he had done, and I mean, I felt I could emulate what he kind of did, and you know, I mean, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping it works out that way.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so did Duke find you, or uh, did you kind of have a short list of? places you were looking to go and kind of reach out to them how did that work
1: yeah so um i actually like followed a ton of coaches on twitter and then um it actually happened before i followed them coach mcgrath the linebackers coach here he followed me and i'm talking like as soon as he followed me he messaged me and you know we started chopping it up and uh You know, it was it was one of those things where I felt really comfortable, felt really good. And I had my head coach, uh, Coach Spangler, me and him were in like we were in cahoots about everything and he was uh he was helping me, you know, if if I felt like a school was good for me, he would immediately try and see if he knew somebody that knew somebody there and put in a word for me or do whatever he could. And then I uh got Coach McGrath's number and sent it to Coach Spangler. Coach Spangler called him and then uh you know, it was back and forth. It was real slow for a few weeks um, just because they were seeing how some of the guys here panned out. And um, a guy here actually – not saying any names, but a guy here actually ended up not being eligible this year. And a spotted linebacker opened up for a scholarship guy. And I waited, I think it was two weeks, to figure that out. And then as soon as they figured it out, um, Coach Cut offered me about a week before that. He was like, I'm not making you a promise. He was like, but if, if it's there – it's on the table 100%. And then I had to go through the process of obviously getting in to do. It. So that's why my commitment took so long, because I wanted to wait to make sure I got into my master's program. Because, I mean, obviously, if I commit, don't get into the program, i look like a fool because I'm not, right. not going to be able to come here. And then the schools that I was talking to might have pulled out because, you know, I've committed and whatnot. So I kind of waited on that, and then it ended up working out pretty well.
0: Yeah, and Coach Club, I, I I know him for a long time, a former uh, Tennessee Vol coach. That's I'm, I'm just an hour east of Knoxville, so mm-hmm. uh, I know him very well. You're getting a good coach, uh, and oh, yeah. I expect him to get – his crew are going to get you t- coached up good, and uh, they're going to put you in the right situations, man. I, I can't wait to watch you. So. That's just there. Um, with that said, um, You know, we we talked about you transferring to Duke. Uh, We talked about the extra year of eligibility. Uh, You talked about you felt like you needed another year to prove uh, Mm -hmm. what you could do. What was that one thing that you felt like you needed to do? Because watching your game at Presbyterian – there's not a whole lot you couldn't do. I mean, you can rush yeah. the passer, you can drop in coverage. Uh, as I mentioned before, you're a tackling machine. What is it that you felt like you needed
1: to improve? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, personally, my game, every every aspect of someone's game can get better. Um, I mean, right now, football is all about speed. Everybody can get faster. Everybody can get stronger. Your feet can get better. All that stuff. But, you know, the thing, like, the year that I needed – um and this is this no knock against FCS football because they are some dogs there. <laughs> but when you look at a, a guy's draft stock and you look at a linebacker that's done all these things in the FCS world, but then you look at a kid that went to a FBS school and you know, he might not have the same amount of accolades, but he played in a a, a stronger conference. I mean you even see a conference like the like the Mountain West compared to the Big Ten. You right. see a guy in the Big Ten that's putting up numbers that aren't as good as the guy that's in the Mountain West, but they're going to take the guy in the Big Ten just because he's playing in a tougher, you know, tougher competition, right. playing better teams week in and week out. And I think that was what I really needed because um, it gives me an opportunity to to prove that I'm not just I'm not just this guy in the FCS. I'm this guy, and I'm this football player overall as a person and a player. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah. Um, so well you, you kind of mentioned it before and I did too as well. In what way has COVID impacted your everyday
1: life the most? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I got really lucky. I mean, knowing that my family was really affected, I had it. Uh, I got over Oh it really? Like, yeah, I actually got over it in like two days. I think I had actually had strep at the same time. And I think I'd have been asymptomatic for COVID because I went, got tested because of the strep and I came up positive for that. But, um, you know, really when it first happened, I mean, it was a big cluster, like flying around to like, see what I was going to do, where I could work out and all this. And one of my high school, we actually went my high school coach. He was, he just came to South Aiken, um, after I had left but he coached me in the border Bowl, which is like the Aiken county when well not Aiken, the CSRA all-star game uh-huh. and he was friends with the guy in Aiken that played at old miss I to forget his name I feel terrible for it <laughs> but he actually had like an in-home gym
0: oh okay it wasn't
1: like something like crazy but I mean he had like two 45s and then the rest of them he had dumbbells up to 55. And then you had like a pulley system. So I was I was able to get in an adequate amount of work. But um, you know, my family owns two small businesses and 20 minutes outside of Aiken. So I mean, we were we we're trying to, you know, keep it as normal as possible possible, keep it kicking. And uh I mean I honestly I'd say just you know, really working out. I mean, living in a small town, I didn't have, you know, much effect. On me I, I'm I'm lucky enough for that. I mean I, I wore my mask when I needed to. If I didn't have to, I didn't wear it. But uh you right. know, I respect for other people's views and whatnot and I have my views of my own and so do my family. And you right. know, we, we held strong to our views and values throughout the whole thing and respected everybody's at the same time. And I I, I think it was a I'm not gonna say a good experience, but it was a de- it was definitely an experience to see how uh the world works during Certain crises and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You know, I, I wore it at work and stuff like that in places I had to. But if I was at home or around people, family and stuff like that, we we didn't wear them, like you uh-huh. said, different beliefs or whatever. But um, staying with COVID, and this is this has been one question that I've been asking everybody, FCS uh, and blower. With COVID, what has been the biggest difference between playing games traditionally in the fall, you know, like everybody normally Mm -hmm. does to this year playing games in the spring? Before you answer, I love the fact that y'all played in the spring for one reason. I could actually focus on you guys more, you know, because during the all at the same time with all three, four divisions, if you've got NAI and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to catch everybody with so many oh, yeah. games going on. So for me, I loved it being in the spring like that because you got no competition. Mm-hmm. Division One's done, CFL's done, NFL's done. It, it's just you guys out there and I, I feel like there was a lot more exposure this yeah. year because of that for you all. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you, what was the biggest difference? Uh, weather, fans, whatever. Uh, what was the biggest difference
1: for you? Yeah, um, I mean, fans-wise, it wasn't really bad for us. Uh, we actually had a no-fan policy, and I, uh, I wrote the uh, AD and posted something on Facebook and got a bunch of alumni involved about letting our parents come. So we ended up allowing our parents, and then students and faculty were allowed. So, I mean, we, we had decent turnouts at every game. I mean, we, we never really pulled uh, huge crowds other than, like, homecoming and stuff. So it wasn't really nothing new that in that manner. But, uh, you know, I think that the, the most – the weirdest thing, in my opinion, was we we come back from a summer where we think we're going to play, we're told we're going to play. And, you know, you get there and you're at school for a week and then your season's canceled. And then you, you're still practicing. You're practicing for an entire semester. Um, limited stuff, but your full-fledged practice and weights and all that – your off season just—it's so much different than it, it was in the past. And then when you get to the spring, you know, obviously the spring's a little bit hotter. Right. After hotter practices, hotter. Um, and then, obviously, with COVID, all these, all the rules and regulations—you have to go through all the testing, getting your temperature checked, checking in every day, and you know, it was, it was, it was super strenuous. Um, i went out there you are i hear you yeah my, my dad called me but uh it's you all right. know uh you know it's it was it was so strenuous and we had to abide by so many rules and you know when you got a you got a team full of young guys that don't necessarily feel the implications of it right away like a right. lot of us didn't really get impacted by it so like why are we doing this and you know at first it's okay and then we get fed up with it and stuff like that but um you know, I I really do personally think our like our head coach, he um it might that might have helped why we were so fed up with it, because he would like make sure we were on our P's and Q's when it came to stuff. <laughs> like we had like during practice, we had four groups coming in and out of the locker room. Like the starters would go out on defense and the starters on offense and the backups, the backups. So oh wow. Some guys wouldn't come out to practice until it's 30 minutes into it, just so we wouldn't have X amount of people in the locker room so we could, you know, fit protocol or like team meals, meetings and you know, stuff. We're all spread out. We're not doing what we normally do. So I guess it's kind of just that part of it. You know, it's it just it just wasn't the norm. It you know, and it, it just didn't feel right because you're not allowed to do like the team movies, the team bonding and stuff like that that you're normally allowed to do throughout the season.
0: Right. Yeah. One of the biggest things I've heard has has been the weather, the difference in the weather from the it's fall high. to the spring. Yeah. Um, that's been one of the, I, I don't know why, but I found that question so interesting because like I said, most of it's been the weather. There's been a few that's uh, talked about the fans. Uh, mm-hmm. I talked to Zion McCollum who was Sam Houston state who just won the national championship. Right. And at the time I didn't even know it. I'd watched some of their games, but I didn't know it. And they played this whole spring season, Mm-hmm. without a locker room. Really? Yes, because they're getting a new locker room. So theirs was being torn down. They literally had uh, uh, tents with uh, air being pumped in to keep them cool during the halftime.
1: So, I did not yes, know that.
0: Yeah, they didn't even have a, a uh, locker room. So uh, just different things like that is uh, one of the why I asked that question. I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about what improving your game is um, what do you think the strongest part of your game is?
1: I think my, uh, I think my like mental capacity of the game. Um, like growing up and all the way through high school, you know, I played both sides of the ball. I in high school, I literally knew what to do at X, Y, Z receiver, the slot, the H back, the running back. I played everything on offense, um, defense. I played linebacker, got some snaps at DN, played some safety. Uh, I never played corner, but, I mean, I knew what everybody was doing. I knew what all the team were doing. So, I mean, I I had an understanding for the game that I guess is like a – I'm not going to say like a coach, but, like, I I understand. Like, I can look at an offense and see how you're lined up and I can understand what kind of concepts are coming. I can, you know – Predict this, this, and this after watching film. I have a like a go through sheet of what I think is going to happen in my head, and then that I just I see stuff really well. I think Um I think that's why I'm able to make so many plays. I'm I see a play develop, and by the way people are moving, I know what play it is. I know it's coming. I can get there before people. I mean, like a big thing is we played Davidson and they ran a reverse, and I had like a five yard tackle for a loss because. I check the line. I take my step, see the guy's pulling. But then I, I'm reading through to the quarterback, and then I see a receiver coming back from the backside, and then I'm like, oh, the only time they do this is a reverse. So I put my foot in the yeah. ground, shoot the gap, and tackle the kid for a loss on a big third down in the game. So, I mean, I think it's things like that, The you know, the stuff you can't really teach a kid. And I think yeah. that's why I've, I've gotten so far with my uh, – I'm not going to say limited athletic ability because I think I'm pretty athletic, but, you know, just size and the stuff that you can't really help.
0: Right. No, I don't think you're limited athletically at all. I mean, like I said, from everything I've seen, there's not a whole lot you can't do from dropping in coverage to rushing the passer to just, you know, sideline to sideline making tackles. So, yeah. Um, I know we haven't, you haven't played games yet so far this year, mm-hmm. but just. In your time there, with, with practices and stuff at Duke, what has, what do you see as the biggest difference between D- Division One at Duke and where you were at with Presbyterian?
1: Yeah, um, you know,
0: is it I, like the speed, or is it uh, you know, <laughs> is I, the I would, more intricate, or whatever? I or? think
1: I think it's um. I think it's two things. I think it's the complexity of the defense. Um, It's complex, but at the same time, it's not. Um, at Presbyterian, we had limited calls, and those calls applied for a lot of stuff. Here, we have a lot of different calls for a lot of different stuff.
0: Oh, so I imagine.
1: Yeah, we're able to do so much more. We're able to run a 4-2 a and then 7-2 3-3 three, three, three stack or come out with a 3-4, a like, we're able to do all kinds of stuff that we weren't able to do before. And then um, I would say, like, the, like, coaches, the the attention to detail. Um, mm. I've learned a lot of stuff here that I thought I was doing right at Presbyterian. And right. it's not that I was doing it wrong, but I wasn't doing it better. And here, like, there's, there's things even like tackling, like, techniques and stuff that I thought were like the surefire way to do it. I'm like getting corrected every day because I'm stuck on my eight years of football, what I've done for eight years. And it's like, that's not how you do it. This is the right way. And at first I was like, well, that doesn't matter as long as I make the play and stuff. But then like they show me tape and they talk about it. And then I'm like, this makes so much more sense. So I guess it's, it's one of those things. I, it's like, the little things that can make you a better player that you don't really think about, or you don't really think you need to improve on that. They like show you.
0: Right. That's cool. That's, uh, I, it's something else that I always ask, especially among transfers, you
1: mm-hmm. know,
0: what's, what's the differences. Cause a lot of time, some of the first things you hear is the speed of the game, you know, from uh-huh. high school to college, college to pros, but you know, in the past, you didn't get many transfers because of the transfer rule. Exactly. So now that there's a one year or a one time transfer, now you're going to see more of this. I'm interested to see what the difference is between, you know, a Division two and Division three, or our one and Division three to Division two. I'm interested to see what that is. I is it the speed is that much faster for you? The game that much faster? Or is it something else that separates the two? So yeah, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um so I gotta ask, I'm a huge music guy. Um, what's your favorite song of all time?
1: see, it's it's hard <laughs> for me to, to like put a um a dot on it. I, I literally listen to anything. I listen to rock, classic rock, folk, indie, like I listen to anything, rap, whatever it is. If I like the sound, I'll listen to it. But um
0: you have a favorite band a favorite group uh see I,
1: <laughs> I don't know i do i will say that you know throughout my time um i've listened to one song i guess this is i know it's not my favorite song but it's a, it's like a tradition i listen to uh make it rain by fat joe and okay. Blood of Wayne. but uh i've listened to that every game since like I want to say like sixth grade football and basketball and every single game I've played in, I played football, basketball, and soccer in high school. I'd listen to it before every single game, no matter what it was.
0: Okay, cool. Cool. So if you weren't playing football, what would you do career wise?
1: I'd try tried to play soccer. Um,
0: <laughs> really?
1: Yeah. So I actually had a, I had a few D2 offers for soccer. Wow. Um, I, I played. I actually played club soccer my my sophomore, junior, senior year, and I would uh I go to football practice and then leave football practice three days a week and drive to North Augusta, is about twenty minutes away, and then practice three days a week, play a game Friday night, and then go play a soccer game or two on Saturday and Sunday.
0: Oh wow, man, that yeah. keeps
1: you busy. Ooh, oh yeah,
0: that's that's some moving on when you got that much. Two different sports will keep you busy big time.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: I ain't going to date myself here, but back in the day, you know, you you played football one, one little season, and then you moved to baseball in the spring. Yeah. But nowadays, you're playing year-round with these sports. Oh, you yeah. know, travel ball and AAU teams and uh-huh. all-star teams. So, yeah, it keeps you busy. I couldn't imagine trying to play two sports and being good at it right now in this yeah. day and age. Um. So if somebody – had never seen you play, and they they wanted to watch your best game. what would you recommend someone what game would you recommend somebody go watch and why?
1: um I guess the easy answer would be the uh, the Davidson game from this past year with the uh, 25 tackles um, the reason I say that is because not only did like obviously I made 25 tackles, which is a pretty solid seat. But um, a lot of those plays weren't just like I'm tackling the kid five yards down the field, or I'm you know, sticking my arm out, tackling a guy. It's it shows me because they're they're a triple option team. Right. It really shows how good my vision is when you see all those moving parts and you're able to, you know, predict plays and make plays in the backfield with an offense like that. And then really, you know, that game um. Coach Spangler told me before the game, me and him were like going over what because we played him twice and lost to him the first time. And it was what what do you think went wrong in all this? So I was like, I think we're like trying to do too much to counteract it. And he was like, uh, well, just play a little bit looser. And then I noticed um the Friday before the game actually, the way they did their splits. And we had a we had a blitz called for if their splits were a certain length. And then I go up to him after the first quarter, and I'm like, Coach, just let me choose when to go and then have the DL make me right or wrong. He was like, all right. So the second, third, and fourth quarter, I was really just out there playing football. And, you know, it was like – I'm not going to say it was like high school again because obviously we had rules and stuff. But um, it was the first time in a long time where I kind of just had my own freedom on the field. And then it it really showed that, you know – when you let ball players play ball, ball players make plays.
0: Right, right. And how hard is it to play a team that runs that triple option like that? I mean, that's not something you see every week at any any level. Yeah.
1: So I mean, I mean, it's it's incredibly hard for us because we uh we actually never ran a scout team. Um, we would line up against the like the traffic barrels, and that would be our look. We just line up the formations, and we'd have like three of the coaches like run a set, but without a ball. And it'd be like jog. And then, because with a triple option, it's all about being um, assignment sound. Yeah. You
0: really got to be disciplined against yeah.
1: them. Yeah. If you, if you do your assignment, if everyone does their assignment, right. Then the triple options, a terrible offense, but that's why the triple options good because no one's going to do the right thing. 95% of the time. But we, uh, with us, I think, you know, he gave he gave a few of us the linebackers and some of the safeties more of a liberty. You know, especially me, it wasn't Kobe being this gap. And if you got your gap, you're good. It's if you see the gap close, jump a gap. If you think you can jump a gap, make a play, something like that. So, I mean, he he made a good decision as a coach for allowing us to do that. And I think that's what kind of, that's what really set us apart um, is we were obviously fundamentally sound. But once we had our assignment, like sound, we'd go and play football.
0: Right. Yeah, that those triple options and stuff like that, those are, I mean, like I said, those are not teams that you face on a weekly basis. So you're really not spending a whole lot of time learning how to defend them, maybe just for that one game or that week. So, exactly. and it's so much different from what you do normally. Uh it, that makes it hard, and like you said, if you if you're not disciplined and if you're not ready, uh, they can make you look silly. But if you get on point with them, you, you can shut them down pretty easily. Oh yeah. oh yeah.
1: Um.
0: So if that's the one game you would recommend someone watch, what is one game that you would like to replay
1: and why? You know, looking at it now, I'd love to go back and replay every single one of them. <laughs> but, um, I guess. It's kind of, it's gonna be kind of cheesy, but uh, I'm gonna get my revenge this year. Um, my first ever college game was against Wake Forest, and okay. I played like absolute crap. And I'll be honest, I was 205, and I was I was prepared to play and I was ready to play, but I didn't know I was gonna play as much as I did. Um, the starter got hurt in the first quarter; he separated his shoulder, hmm. and I got thrown into the fire at 205 in the ACC, and, um, you know, they, I mean, they, they whooped us both sides of the ball, but, uh, you know, I, um, I don't think that showed the player that I am. Right? That was the, I'm not going to say the biggest embarrassment of my career, but um, it was one of those things that made me realize that, uh, you know, there's going to be some hard times throughout this thing, and. Yep. You know, it's not, it's not about size at that point. It's about if you know what to do. And I was ill-prepared, not because of my coaches. I I just couldn't learn. I just didn't learn the defense as well, if I should have known. And I was out there trying to do what I did in high school, just running around making plays. And right. A little, ba- little be-
0: baptism by fire, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: By, by a volcano, it felt like. <laughs> yes. But um, it was, I mean, it was a heck of an experience. I mean, I I love you know your first game. You're walking into an ACC stadium. It's their first game of the year. They're packed out, and you know you're getting the chill bumps, the goosebumps, everything. And you know I I'm really fond of the memory. But I just I think that if I could go back, you knowing what I knew now, it'd have been a completely different story, at least from my perspective of the game.
0: Awesome, yeah. So uh, yeah, if that's your uh... Your first game against the Wake Forest. You'll probably get to see them again this year. Oh, yeah. They're on the schedule this year. You'll get to see them again. Oh, um, yeah. Do you play fancy football?
1: I do. I've actually I've actually um, came in second the past two years.
0: Oh, wow. Look at
1: you. This past year, I drafted Christian McCaffrey number one. And he got hurt. And then I ended up losing the championship by, like, .56 points or something like that.
0: Oh, wow. That sucks. And I was,
1: like, willing and dealing the whole season. I was like, Christian's coming back. No, he's not. He's coming back. No, he's not. So I held on to him. And looking back at it, I should have traded him. And then the one week he did come back and play, like, half, like, a third through the season, I didn't start him. Oh, those, and, those
0: games suck. I hate that.
1: And he went, he went for like 44 points, and <sighs> I ended up losing that game, but I ended up still making it to the championship. That's nice. I won the, I won the semifinal by half a point, and then I lost the championship by like 0. .6 or something.
0: Oh, man. nail Nailbottas, I hate those games. hate those I, games.
1: I, I'm sitting there <laughs> staying up late before a test, like facing the phone, <laughs> watching the game.
0: Oh, uh, that's awesome. Um, I know you said your dad called, so we'll try to get you through this pretty quick so you can call him. Um, what is one player, or who is one player, NFL linebacker or whatever, who's one player that you pattern your game after?
1: Um, He's not in the league now, and he's not a linebacker, but uh, Troy Polamalu. Um, mm. When I first started watching football, um, it just so happened to be the year that the Steelers won the Super Bowl. And – you know, I'd like watched and every time I seen somebody on defense, it seemed like Troy Palomalu was making the play. And that's when I that was when I played lineman. And that next year when I went up an age group, I could run the ball. So they offered me numbers and stuff, and I wanted to get forty three because of Troy Palomalu and they didn't have it. The close number was forty four. So that's why I got forty four. Okay. And, you know, just just the way that he plays the game with like the passion, the, like, enthusiasm, like, just I, – like, I just try to – I try my best to emulate what he was about. Um, I wouldn't say, like, technique-wise and stuff because obviously he played safety and stuff. All right. But I think, um, you know, the better part is the stuff that you can't teach, the stuff that's inside and, you know, the stuff that not many guys have. And I tried to – I tried to create that within myself after seeing the way he played and the passion he had for it. And, uh you know other than that I mean I watched Luke Keekly a lot I thought Luke Keekly was a hell of a linebacker and you yeah. know I tried to take some pointers after his game and whatnot but um I, I really I really don't try to to try to be anybody else I try to make a story for myself and make a game you know make play the game different from everyone because you know I'm I'm not Ray Lewis. I'm not Luke Kuechly. I'm not, you know, I'm not any of those guys. I'm Colby Campbell, and you know, obviously, in the time that I'll I'll be playing football, I'm trying to make a legacy for myself. So you know, one day, I'm I'm hoping that guys look at me and say, I want to play like Colby Campbell or something like that. You know,
0: awesome, awesome. And and I see a lot of that same energy and passion in your game that you talk about Troy Polamalu having up. It just stands out on the field. You, and no matter the position, when you're watching a player, those things stand out. If they have a passion for the game, if they're playing with a lot of energy, you can tell it pretty easily. I mean, it, it just sticks out. So,
1: yeah. um,
0: um, we'll move along here. Um, if you had any. Buddy you know an inspiring high school player, if they come up to you and they ask you what's the hardest part of playing college ball, what is it, and why
1: um I think the hardest part is um really when you first get there, I think it's the realization that you're not that guy, you know yeah, I think i had i think I kind of had the idea of myself when I went in uh I mean, I had all these high school accolades. I was, like, number 10 in the country in tackles my senior year of high school. And I had, like, all this crazy stuff going for me. And, you know, I get to a school and everybody else is the best player from Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> Everyone's the best person from Charlotte, North Carolina. Everyone's the best player from Atlanta, Georgia. So that's where you have to realize that the preparation that you put into – before you get there is going to set you apart from the guys. Once you get there, if you go into it like, Oh, I'm the best, I'm this, I'm that you're, you're never going to reach what you are. And I realized that, uh, fast, you know, the baptism by fire, the baptism by fire happened to me the first week in pads. I mean, I was running with the twos and I was getting destroyed all week long. (laughs) I was like, I'm, I'm not what I think I was. So let me become what I thought I was. And, that and i mean i I know it's it's the most cliche thing in the world but enjoy it i yeah i think about high school football nearly every other day and it's not i'm living in the past it's i'll see something that reminds me of a time i had when i was in high school playing ball with like my best friends um high school sports is the most pure form of athleticism and it's the most pure form of sports and i do think high school football is the most pure athletic event there is in the world. Um, there'll never there'll never be another time in your life where you're playing a game you love so much with the people that you've grown up with your entire life. I mean, you'll become you'll have great college friends and your college friends will stick with you for the rest of your life. But there's no better feeling in the world than having a friend since you were in 5th grade and then your senior night, you're sitting there Beating a team, and you're sitting on the, the bench bawling your eyes out because <laughs> right. I'm together. And it's not you're sad, it's it's just all the memories and all the things you feel just come flying back at once. So, I mean, right. I know everybody says enjoy it, but you know, it's really like don't take it for granted,
0: right? Yeah, and that's that's something else that I hear from basically everyone I've yeah, interviewed God. is uh. You're in high school, like you said. You're so used to being that guy, mm-hmm. and it's a wake-up call almost when you hit college, no matter where you go to, because
1: mm-hmm.
0: as you said, everybody's that guy from their town, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, just about every player that I've interviewed, they have mentioned that's the biggest difference right there, you know. That and the speed of the game. Those, yeah, are, yeah.
1: yeah, the speed is unreal.
0: But it's just uh, you know they. They all talk about how humbling it is when you make that jump from high school to college. Oh, yeah. You know, you're used to being the star of the team or the best player on the field, and then mm-hmm. you know you get to college, and everybody's the stars. And yeah, so but yeah, that's uh you know I always find those things interesting as well. Um, if you had to give any pointers to someone about uh, making the jump, not just football wise, but school wise making the jump from high school to college, what would
1: it be? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what I said before. But, um, you know, obviously football, you want to work the hardest you can before you get here. You want to be the strongest you've ever been, the fastest you've ever been, the most conditioned you've ever been, because it helps the transition. I'm not going to say it's going to make the transition easy. It'll make it easier. Right. But, uh, I mean, it's still going to be hard. Um, you know, classroom – it's also the, it's also the cliche, like get your work done, you know, professors in college, they're not, they're not here to get you in trouble. They're not here to hate you. Like a lot of, a lot of schools and a lot of professors in schools, like want to be your friend Bro. and want to be close with you. And, you know, you make those relationships because I promise you if you make relationships with professors and you're not, a you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, later on, later on in the year when you need help with something where you fail a test and you're worried about that grade at the end of the year, you could, you could have a D in that class. And if they know you come every day, you show up and you try, you'll pass with a C. I promise you that. Yeah. Like they're gonna, they're gonna look out for you.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think time management's a huge thing too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Juggling
0: your schoolwork and practice and all that. I, I imagine that's a big deal.
1: I mean, I've, I've, uh, I joined the fraternity, obviously it's back there. I'm a pike, but, um, (laughs) you know, at, at one point I was doing school football and fraternity. And then I obviously now I still do it. And I mean, I was one of the higher ups in the fraternity. I was our, uh, our recruitment chair. So I was busy with that all the time. And there's really, there's really no time constrictions unless you put them on yourself. Right. Um, you'll have plenty of time. you have plenty of free time to do work. I mean, your freshman year, you have study hall. But the only way that you fall behind is if you allow yourself to fall behind. So I would say be proactive in everything you do. Maximize your time. I understand you want to play the game, and I did the same. But get your work done during the day so once you get out of practice, you can go back to the room and play the game for two hours before you go to sleep.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know you said your dad called, so we, we won't keep you much longer. Uh, thank you for taking the time to do this interview. I uh, appreciate it. We'll be following you this fall. I can't wait to watch you down there uh, as the Blue Devils and, and see what you do. Um, tell any of your new uh, mates or any of your old mates if if they want to uh, jump on and do an interview, to uh, hit me up and I'll get them set up. But uh, once again, thank you for taking the time. And uh, you, I know you have a busy schedule and all that. So, but. We thank
1: you. So, uh,
0: That's can't right. wait to
1: watch you this safe. call, man. Oh, yeah. I look forward to it. I look forward to hearing back from you too.
0: Oh, yeah. I will definitely keep in touch. I'll be, uh, sharing all your games, your highlights and lowlights and all that good stuff. And I'll, you know, I keep, once those guys go to the pros, I stay in touch with Bryce Huff and them too. So, uh, I hope you're the next one that, uh, follows in their footsteps, man. So, oh, yeah. uh, thank you very much. And, uh, I will see you on the Twitterverse and, uh, Go get them, man.
1: All right. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Have a blessing, my man.
0: You too. Thank you. And that was Colby Campbell, linebacker for the Duke Blue Devils. What a great interview. Love, 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 love doing these interviews. Uh, There's much more to this interview in a written version that I'll be getting out, putting down this week. Um, I'll be getting that out on the website at – idpguys.org. You can follow it there. Uh, be sure to go check that out. Um, uh, I just love these interviews. I think they're so, so good. Um, before we get into the rest of the show here, um, my apologies for it taking us so long. It just uh, Sometimes, you know, with their school and their practice and all all that, it takes a little bit to get on track. Um, You know, so we try to work around their schedule or whatever, but that's what took so long there. Um, Didn't want to give it away this week. Who it was. Love that. That's our first uh, big time transfer like that. Uh, Can't wait to see him play this fall for the Blue Devils. So, uh, as many of y'all know, uh, we got to pay the bills from time to time. Uh, Action 247 is a local on gambling spot for Tennesseans by Tennesseans. They have been such a great sponsor of uh, the Dig Podcast and our Big Brother Podcast, IDP Nation, that we do. Uh, you know, use our promo code Hollywood100. And if you deposit four hundred, they will match you. They'll give you another four hundred. So that is the max they'll match, but that's pretty good. I mean, if you if you put four hundred, they give you four. That's eight hundred bucks you got to make in bets. Uh, go check them out. They're doing all kinds of things. NBA Finals is going right now. Uh, they just wrapped up hockey, but they're halfway through the baseball season. You know, uh, the All Star game was this past week or just this week. Yesterday, matters of fact. Um, and aside from, they got the open championship coming up. If you like to do that, um, aside from that, they've got a lot of different stuff because it's a slow time, so they've got different stuff. You can bet on table tennis, you can bet on uh, rugby, cricket, cycling, uh, all kinds of stuff, ping pong. Go check them out. They're running some special offers, some free bets will come your way, so uh, be sure to check them out. And as always, when you uh, when you uh, support them, you're helping support us. Be sure to use that promo code Hollywood100 for your $400 match or whatever. Um, we also want to thank myfantasyleague.com. Uh, they're a big supporter of us as well. Uh, you know, with our uh, listener leagues of IDP Nation, uh, we're currently putting together a league for uh, a campus to Canton IDP league. So I know I've reached out on the Twitterverse and had some of y'all sign up. Uh, if you're interested in that, hit me up. We're still in the process of that, but we're getting close to getting ready to get that go because we got to get the drafting done. But the uh, the Canton side will take place on MFL. The campus side will take place on fantracks because as of right now they are basically the only one that does the college side and they do it so well so if you're interested in that hit me up we're also thinking about doing a college only um a league where you draft college only players and once they get drafted or they finish their careers they're just no longer on your roster and you have to replenish through the college pool so that's a couple of things that we are working on we thank you for supporting us uh, as always and then one more um TrophySmack.com. You know, hockey just finished. uh, Basketball's almost done. uh, Baseball's full swing, you know, halfway through. Uh, If you're needing something to crown your champion, be sure to go check them out. Uh, I have a link on my Twitter page, uh, Hollywood Titan. You can check that out to get a free discount there on your. On your awards, rings, belts, trophies, plaques, they've got so many good things. It's high quality at a good price. Uh, Be sure to check them out. So a few news and notes here. Um, A few news and... Notre Dame received a verbal commit from 2022 four-star Jalen Sneed. A huge get for the Irish. uh, One of the top linebackers in that that class. Um, That's going to be huge for him. Um, Can't wait to see how he does there. TCU received a verbal commit from 2022 four-star safety Diarco McAllister. Uh, Miami received a verbal commitment from 2022 four-star athlete Chris Graves. Now he played receiver and defensive back, but it appears he is going to make a transition to defense full-time, and he's going to be playing some safety. Uh, So uh, He's had some experience, as I've mentioned, playing on the defensive side, so that looks like uh, where he's going for the Hurricanes. And then just before I come on the show, I would found this piece of news. Um, Ohio Bobcats head coach Frank Solich has announced that he's retiring due to health issues. He spent 16 seasons as the head coach of Nebraska and Ohio. Um, he's He's been around forever, seems like. Um, six seasons at Nebraska, he was 58 and 19. Uh, and at Ohio, he had a record of 115 and 82. So his career total is 173 and 101. You know, he was the immediate successor to Tom Osborne and those legendary uh, teams there. Um, just a huge, huge uh, figure in the world of college football as a coach, uh, one of the better coaches that we've seen, so he will be missed. Um, So many good things going on uh, around, you know, recruiting um, is still going right now. Uh, Spring games are over. Now, Teams are getting ready for these fall practices. You know, it's we're just what six weeks away from actual games being played. Uh, some are going to start just a little sooner than others because of the uh, the week zero stuff. But six weeks, you you think, oh, that's so far away, but it's going to be here before you know it. Uh, Hopefully, you've got all your teams raring and ready to go. You've got them lined up. Uh, Hopefully, you've been following all my work over at IDP Guys with the rankings, Um, the IDP Debbie articles I've been putting out, been putting out a lot of that good stuff. So, if you're not over there checking out, be sure you do. So, looking at a couple of my rosters here, I just finished up an offensive only campus to Canton one. Um, and, but I have another one that I've, it's been finished for a little while. So, I could go over it a little bit. I know I've talked about it before, but just to give you some players that you should be looking for. Of course, you know Brian Brisey, uh Henry Toe Um but you should also be targeting players like Corey Foreman, the incoming freshman uh, for USC. Damon Payne, the incoming freshman for Alabama. Uh, you should be targeting um, uh, Desmond Evans, the incoming lineba- uh, linebacker for UNC. Now that Chas Roths has gone, he's going to be the next guy. Up. You want to look at players like Lewis Singh with Richard LeCount and some of those defensive backs going there. He's going to be one of the next guys up for the Georgia Bulldogs. You're going to want to check him out for your fantasy teams. Um, Tyreek Smith, Ohio State, he's another one that's stepping up this year. Um, <laughs> you know, there's so many players to check out. Players like um, Justin Flo didn't have a huge season last year as a freshman, uh, but now his time's coming. You know, with some of those Guys moving on ahead of him. Um, there's just there's so many ways you can, can build it. Uh, you want to look for, excuse me, players such as uh, Hayes Maples, the linebacker from uh, Southern Mississippi, huge tackling machine. Same with Tyler Grubbs, uh, linebacker from Law Tech. Those are going to be huge fantasy point scoring players for your uh, campus or IDP only college side teams. Um, It's never too early to start looking at incoming recruits uh, out of high school. Uh, The quicker you learn their names, the more prepared you'll be for your Debbie things because that's where it's getting to now in these Debbie leagues. The sooner you can you can pick up on a player, the more you know about him, the more knowledgeable you're gonna be, because not everybody follows it as deeply or close. You know, they maybe they follow their their favorite team or maybe even their conference, but outside mm-hmm. of that, there's not a lot known. So, you know, I'm a big SEC guy, big Tennessee guy. So that's where my wheelhouse is. But you gotta know these recruits like Corey Foreman that's going to USC, Damon Payne that's going to Alabama. Uh, Jack Sawyer that's going to Ohio State. JT Tuamalo going to Ohio State. Those are the guys that they're going to be stars. They're going to make your teams better. So that's where you want to uh, look. And, and like for Tennessee, Walter Nolan. Uh, he's two years out, but he's fixing to commit somewhere in the next few days. So that's going to be huge. Is it going to be my Tennessee Vols or is it going to be uh, another school? Uh, But he's on my radar. So those are players that you want to know. You want to know them early if you can. Uh, Like I said, you can't know everybody. I don't know everybody. Sometimes people come and tell me, hey, check this kid out. You're going to want to watch him. And I'll go back and watch some of the tape and decide for myself, you know, is this someone I think is going to make it or no? Um, uh, Bill G. Young. is is my thing. I I think if you can build young on the campus side, it's a huge advantage um, as as rather than trying to fill it with I call it veteran players, but more of your senior-laden players like juniors and seniors. The problem with that is they're studs already, they're stars, but you don't have that much control over them because if they're good especially as juniors, they're going to leave as underclassmen. So you're going to lose something there. So you want to build young so you can have that <clears throat> type of control like a Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, draft him out of high school. You're going to get three years of him easily uh, because he's not going to be draft eligible to a junior. So freshman, sophomore, junior. Then if he leaves, you could say you've got your full value out of it. <clears throat> Same thing with a, a Tony Grimes. The, the corner for uh, UNC, Corey Foreman, like I mentioned earlier, he's another one. Uh, then you can mix in your players who are already established. You know, uh, you can bring in your Will McDonalds for Iowa State. You can bring in your Henry Toa Toas. You can bring in your Oron Vances. Your you know players like that that are more established, already set, and know what's going on. <clears throat> Um. every year, despite our breakdown, our coverage of it, there's going to be players that just come out of nowhere. You know? You, you see it all the time. They just, they come out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, it's it's due to an injury or whether it's you know, they're just so good that they hit the upgrade, you know. Sometimes they just outwork who's ahead of them and, you know, they're too good to keep off the field. Um, like, you wonder why I watch Division 2 and Division 3 all the time. Just like our interviewee tonight, Colby Campbell. He was a stud at Presbyterian. Not eligible for fantasy, college fantasy or stuff like that. Guess what? He is now because he's going to Duke. So many people are not going to know who he is, fortunately for me, fortunately for my listeners. You all do now because now you're getting one of the top five players from Division II last year. Now he's coming to Division I. Now he can have an impact for a Division I team and possibly your fantasy teams. So that's what you want to look at. Um, As always, feel free to hit me up with your questions, trades, and all that. Um, Before we go, we have a question from our listener on Twitter, Barry Baker. Thank you, Barry, for listening. You listen every week. You're always active, and that's what we want. He wants to know any bold takes for this incoming freshman class. This has been a tough one, Barry, and I've given a lot of thought. Bold takes. Um, I think with this class in particular, Corey Foreman, uh, Jake Sawyer, JT Mualo, uh, and some other guys, once you go down the list, uh, feel free to hit me up and we'll go over them but I think this class is one of the better incoming defensive classes. And I think you're going to see more freshmen be an impact or make an impact as freshmen this year than we've seen in a while, especially with Foreman's, uh, Foreman and uh, Sawyer and Tuamalo. Those three right there alone are going to be studs and now, two of them on the same team for Ohio State, but I expect you know they're going to have an impact, especially Sawyer. I really like Sawyer. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I think that's the bold take. Freshmen are going to make more of an impact, be bigger impact players this year than we've seen in quite some time. Um, with that said, I think I'm going to piggyback off that a little bit, and I think Corey Foreman is going to be the best scoring freshman this year. I think he's going to be the number one overall scoring freshman, uh, and, and quite possibly out there with Drake Jackson and those guys, he may be one of the better scoring um, freshman, period. I could see him being as good or better than what... Um, Brian Brucey was for Clemson last year, which is huge. So yeah, those are two of my bold takes. Um, Be sure to check them out. As always, send me your questions. Thank you very once again for following and listening to us. Uh, Send me your trades. Send me your rosters. I'll break them down for you if you need to. Send me any drafts or any auctions or whatever you may have. Uh, Send them to me and let me know. Um, Once again, we want to thank Colby Campbell uh, for joining us and taking the time to do the interview. Such a great interview. I can't wait to get it out. Be sure if you don't, if you're listening, be sure to also go read the rest of the interview. There are some more questions I ask Uh, such a fun time doing these things. Uh, We, I've got some more interviews lined up. I'm just trying to work the schedule and get them in here. Uh, So be patient with us and we will get them to you as soon as you can or as soon as we can. And uh, until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks.